Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, yes. how's it going? Um, it's I, After I just got done telling you that it was cold in here, it's a little warm in here. Yeah, so t- how about that? I'm moving my jacket. I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm getting set. Yeah. I, I, I want to be, be comfortable because uh, we, have, we, have a, we have a guest here today. We do. Someone we've actually been wanting to have on the show for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has, it has worked out. And he's here today, and I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get to know him right away. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Wayne Fetterman. Thank you. Thanks, Thank for you. Thanks for being on the show. I'm very happy to be here. When you, we hooked up, not hooked up, but connected on the internet. That's right. I was like, I'm in. I was, there was no, there wasn't, that was not a hard pitch to get me to do the show. Because I love the movies, and you guys seem to know a little about it. <laughs> and tonight you're going to learn a little more. Uh, we, we have we have we have degrees. We do have yeah. degrees, That's and they something. mean right. something in this world. <laughs> right? <laughs> We've been. You mean degrees up. of knowledge, not like yeah. degrees in film. We have, we have degrees, degrees in, in film. film. Oh, you do. Yeah. That's, tell it, me. It, tell it, me it, just it, as qu- as quickly as you can. I just we I just a bachelor uh, in what uh, film and video. Film and right. video. Yeah, from yeah. Columbia College, Chicago. Film and video. Yeah. Interesting. Same deal. Bachelor, same college video yeah, same college yeah but did you guys meet you guys met there obviously no we met uh, in missouri in high school uh, when we were we met when we were both in high school but we didn't go to high school together interesting we met through the theater through the theater okay so you were into show business he was an actor i was a sound guy there's no uh, business like it wayne that's what i say right if i'm not mistaken irving berlin that's from his lyric lyric from his song right that sounds right yeah did he also write they don't call it show friends now, that, that I don't know. Is that him? <laughs> <laughs> they did. Uh, um, he did write God Bless America, which is uh, under some controversy. Now, people are upset that they keep singing it in baseball games. I didn't hear about this. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's kind of a backlash. Like, enough already with the God Bless America. Huh. It is a very good song. I mean, it's very touching. It's fantastic. Fantastic. But, and I, not being a baseball guy, but I did watch, David, you'll be happy to know, the last six innings of... Game seven. I I don't watch anything, but I watched that and uh, and they and they sang it, and I was like, oh, is this a regular practice? This is yeah, this is it's pretty nice. good. It's really nice. I like it. I like it a lot. And I it's interesting. I was listening to the one of the original recordings of the song "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," mm-hmm. and the lyric is "Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack, not Jacks." Okay, that's been changed a little bit. <laughs> what, it, <laughs> it was on one of those. Uh, uh, cylinders, uh-huh. those oh, Edison man. cylinders. Do you know what I'm talking about oh, at all? That was the fourth. The, the song was, yes, not yeah, Cracker Jack. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cracker Jacks was not. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it was just interesting because I'm into music and mm-hmm. and baseball. By the way, I was listening to your podcast uh-huh. and one of the Thank most you. historic baseball games of all time. In fact, yeah. your podcast might, in a weird way, I feel like in the future might be an interesting. <laughs> Archaeological dig of like just what was happening at yeah. that time in a in the world. But I only mentioned it a few times because I know that most of our listeners are not sports. Of course, but that's not the point. It turned out to be one of the most important World Series games in the history of baseball. Yeah. Baseball has been around well over a hundred years. Uh-huh. It's a lot of World Series games, and that you guys were on the air while it was happening in a very casual kind of like, uh-huh. "Hey, what's going on with this thing?" Uh-huh. In the background, it's like any podcast that was happening during the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Exactly. It's a podcast people tune into. Late, Just to you know. see, <laughs> yeah. to get the zeitgeist of what was going on. And, of course, you're not bad. I mean, it's a film podcast. Right. Why would you be? It was surprising it was on at all. So, well, well, he's I'm from St. Louis. So I'm from St. Louis. Oh. That's what it is. Yeah, it is. It was phenomenal. But let's, uh, let's, yeah. take, let's take it back and um, let the listeners know who... 
Wayne Fetterman. Yeah. Now my I, my girlfriend yesterday, I told her that we're having Wayne Fetterman on the show. She's a she's a bit of a comedy fan, so she knew the name. And she right from stand up, from stand up. Uh, I think probably from podcasts. Oh, interesting. And and from uh, that's fascinating uh, the, to me. And possibly the the Fallon show. Which yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, it's it's interesting. Your your career is something that I've been trying to think of how to describe it, and the one word I can think of is delightful, because you've been a part of like. Big, big things. Like, if you look over there, you see I own the Larry Sanders show yes. on DVD. You yeah. were part of that. Yep. I played his brother. I played, you played his, yeah. I played Larry Sanders' big little brother. Role. Yep, yep. Uh, you were on, you know, a couple episodes of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Absolutely. Maybe my favorite thing I've ever done in my career. And I am and I actually wanted to ask you about that, but I'll get to it in a moment. But sure. But you also were in The X-Files. Yes. Playing a character named Wayne Fetterman. Exactly right. I watched that episode a few days ago. How did it hold up? Uh, it's delight. I'll be honest with you. I like your section a lot, uh, and then it kind of spirals off into this kind of weird meta thing, which mm-hmm. I'm okay with. And I know that it came pretty late in the run of the X Files, so right. I think they're more willing to do that sort of thing. So, um, but I liked it a lot. I liked uh, your phone. I liked how generally clueless your character seemed, um, but still savvy enough to know what was going on and know like, okay, I'm in danger. I'm going to leave. Right and. Uh, and so I liked all that, and I, I'm a big fan of Harris Eulen, and uh, right. to act with him seems pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, and, so, and then, of course, you know, head writer of the Fallon Show. Like, your career has been pretty exciting. And right, just so you know, was, I was only the head monologue writer. I was oh, only okay. head of the monologue. I don't want to okay, have that go out in the Potterverse or whatever this <laughs> is called. <laughs> Did I just come up with something? Did uh, that just happen? I th- I, yeah, I think it's potosphere. The potosphere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank for you for the correct. You said like Potterverse. I'm like, oh. I think there is a podcast called uh, the Potterverse. Oh yeah, yeah. No, so, I meant yeah. Okay. Potosphere. The potosphere. Have you ever said that before? I know. I, I, I think. I, I think you guys are on to something. Yeah. <laughs> just. I have a sense of these kind of things. And so now, how long were you at the uh, the Fallon Show? A couple years, I, right? Um, just a little over a year. Just over a little, a little over a year. What happened was I was brought in just to launch the show. Okay. Like, I had written stand-up with Jimmy, and I opened for him on the road. Actually, he was opening for me on the road. Mm-hmm. And then during the day, we would write stuff together, and he was like, God, I would love to have you there when I'm – I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. This is all new to me. I just need someone whose comic sensibility I like to bounce stuff off you can run the monologue room i was like all right let's give it a try mm-hmm. and it will do it for a year and once it shows if the show's up and running and good i gotta go back to you know la and yeah. my other normal career and i said i'd be honored to do it it wasn't even like a hard it wasn't hard i was like yeah i'm in i'll move and i move right away to and new it's, york it's very interesting because i know a lot of people and honestly myself included yes when it was announced jimmy fallon was going to be taking over you were dubious yeah it's yeah. like I mean, I think he can be very funny, but I don't see him doing well in that format. And a lot of people, myself included, have been very pleasantly surprised by how well he has done in that format and seems to really be enjoying himself. Yeah. And uh, and I, that's something I that I like a lot. And, you, and uh, Wayne, you were part of that. I know. I know. He gives me a lot of credit. <laughs> way too much credit. He gives me way too much credit. But he's not, uh, it's, it's great. And well, believe me, I knew, you know, people were like... Very skeptical yeah. about his skill set and just him as a guy, like that you would want to see every day. Yeah, and yeah, it's been it was really fun and challenging. And I'm like a I love show business, mm-hmm. so we were in Studio Six B, which is 
uh, the studio where Jack Parr did The Tonight Show from, Mm -hmm. where Johnny Carson did The Tonight Show from for 10 years, Mm -hmm. and where Milton Berle did the Texaco Star Theater, which is really the first big show on television. Mm -hmm. They called him Mr. Tuesday Night and (laughs) Mr. Television. You've yeah. heard of Mr. Television? I don't know. You're, you're about yeah. 29. I don't know if you he's know. More the t- he's more of a TV guy than Didn't myself. you get a degree in video? Uh, yeah, but that Tyler? was more a function of when you're shooting a film but don't have a lot of money, so you have to shoot it on video. That's the kind of video. Right. Columbia okay. College Chicago does have a separate television it does. program. Right. Yes. Well, that, so. It was a very important show in the history. Mm-hmm. Of, that's why he was known as Mr. Television. And he did this vaudeville-esque type show mm-hmm. out of that studio live you know, every Tuesday night. And then they would send film it and mm-hmm. send it to the west coast for a later broadcast like send, oh, that's interesting yeah um that they would have to send it yeah. um but the uh and so to continue and like i said i do want to get back to curb your enthusiasm yeah any very of those specific question to ask. do do um, it and then of course you've been in a number of movies yeah i have this yeah you, the fe- you have a thing the fetterman and out that's the one yeah 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 and how do you how do you describe that it's very simple. I'm in one scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. I usually do something funny. Okay. You never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fetterman and out. And the reason I think it is is because I assume just me as a person is just too overwhelming for the big screen. Yeah, it must be it. And it's just like that. it's like a seasoning. It's like you can't eat a whole thing of sugar or salt yeah. or anything. It's just like okay, he's in there. He's gonna do it, and then we're gonna get get. By the time we edit this podcast, you're only gonna be in a minute. that Irving Berlin thing, yeah. and then, then you're out. Um, you're like a you're like a garnish. You know, you're there I, to I make everything look better. But I'm well, curious. let me my, my my favorite Fetterman and out. Okay, of all is Legally Blonde. Okay. Because I play, I'm one of the uh, Harvard admissions guys uh-huh. at that table who watches her video right. as she tries to get into Harvard. And I always think, yes, it's a small role. Yes, there's only a few lines. And I'm like, yeah, we've never had, you know, she's a friend of the environment and all of that. But if she doesn't get into Harvard, there's really no movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> she just goes to Orange County Community College yeah. and there's no real fish out of water. So it is a crucial. Oh, absolutely! All right, sure. Hey, look, yeah. you know what? I'll, no... I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. You one further. Do it. Knocked up. You probably organized that uh, fantasy. Was it football or baseball? It's, it's baseball. A fantasy. You probably set that up. Your character. Uh-huh. And without that, you know, Paul Rudd has a really great marriage. Oh, I and, see. Uh, yeah, they so don't go to Vegas. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. You have a crucial role. I there like it. Well. I like the way you're thinking. So like I'm trying to thinking. think outside the box. <laughs> but uh, let me just say that expression. Is not outside the box. Yes, I know. It's weird when you say that. You're like that couldn't be more mainstream. So, so you're saying we should come up with something else? Yes, that's exactly okay. what I'm saying. I, when you're talking about creative thinking and you go, "I'm outside the box," you're like, "Okay, you're already." That's a hint. You're nowhere near outside any new avenues of thought. The uh, I, I, I tweeted something. I tweeted something recently, which is at this point, the definition of insanity is to throw around that definition of insanity quote uh, and expect it to. Have any kind of impact because at this point it's been said so much that's like I'm starting to doubt right. if that's actually the definition right now. That's funny, right? But, that's good, but yeah. So um, now I do want. To, okay, so I'll, I'll go with Kirby enthusiasm because this is always something well, I, that well, is, I don't think we got the end of the legally blonde. No, that was it. Yeah, that was it, was it. Cru- that was it plays it. a crucial role. I, I, I thought maybe yeah. there was a, a line you wanted to champion or, or something. Just no, just worth, the character. 
What's with this Just guy? The, is he usually like this? <laughs> yes. He doesn't know He's when the anecdote is over? I feel like we had no problem knowing that was done. <laughs> we're removing all- so many of my stories because I'll tell them him the story and he'll laugh and they'll be like, yeah, all right. And then. Oh, there's nothing <laughs> worse. Like, oh, uh, damn it. Um, just a glazed look. Like, he can't be- enjoy movies anymore because the, the end <laughs> credits are He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. But <laughs> the person with me be like, let's go. Shh. <laughs> but uh, but I was always I was always curious about this aspect of Caribbean enthusiasm because uh, the nature of the show is it's Larry David encountering obstacles. And usually I'd say always those obstacles are other people. And so those other people are always defined. I mean, there's there's like you know his, his wife and and the people that he knows that are regulars on the show, but like people that are in one episode or two episodes, they're pretty much defined by their opposition to Larry David. And it always struck me as interesting from an actor's standpoint how to motivate that, like because usually he's dealing with a sort of social convention that he questions and is right to question. And this other person has to sort of has to uphold that and defend that. Even if the actor himself doesn't agree with that, like how, how can you, I don't know, like how can you play that without sort of, I might be overthinking it, but without like condemning the character you're playing. Okay. First of all, okay. I think the new definition of insanity was that question. Okay. Let's okay. take it. I want someone to just transcribe it. It was a crazy I I okay. run on. I have no oh. idea what you're talking oh, about. Okay. Four tangent kind of questions that looped in on itself and then created a black I like hole. To, I like to preface before I go into a question. And if I can make it one sentence, then so be it. Um, but, uh, yes, I guess I guess that was kind of what, long. What was your question? What was um, your- how do you go about playing a character... That is, I'm going to try and take everything that I said and turn it into an actual sentence. Uh, how do you take a character that is largely defined? <laughs> Close parenthesis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's going to be dashes and semicolons all over this thing. Um, but uh, how do you take a character that is defined solely by his opposition to Larry David and turn him into a real character? Oh. I'd, first of all, I don't know if I totally agree with your premise. Okay. I mean, I agree that Larry David. On that show has a very specific worldview, mm-hmm. and that worldview constantly gets crushed by the world, and that's the show. Mm-hmm. Like he mm-hmm. has, like you shouldn't be an older person trick or treating, and sure enough, the teenagers show up at his door, and he won't give them candy, and mm-hmm. whatever happens, and then he gets in his own way too. But he has these very specific rules about how the world should run. And my character, I mean, I don't even know how to really answer your question. All I know is, I had a very easy time with that. Mm-hmm. I just Dean Weinstock, which is the character I play, is uh, he is just the worst guy in the world <laughs> under the guise of the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> like the most happy-go-lucky. It's it's me. I'm not threatening at all. Yeah. But like in a weird way, like he is he's just a crazy passive-aggressive manipulator. So that's that's all I went for. I just okay. went for I. I'm going to play him as you couldn't believe this guy thinks he's so nice, but he has <laughs> such an agenda every time he talks to him. Every okay. Time. And, and actually, that sort of does answer my answer yeah. my question because you're putting thought into, like, this is a guy who wants to appear one way, but at the same time 
he wants to get his way, damn it. Right. And in and, a way, I mean, everyone's kind of like that. Of course, of course, of course. That's why people respond to Dean Weinstock. And then, <laughs> and just, and the glasses thing where you, uh, know, you yeah. hug. And it's so interesting to me because, I mean, every once in a while, I think, I think as the show went on, I love the show, but I think as the show went on, like some of the things that he's fighting against are things where it's like, I don't, I've not encountered that in my life. I think right. he might be coming up with that for the show. But stuff like that glasses thing is so perfect because I'm so on board with Larry and then watching your character, I'm like, how does this guy think he can get away with this? Right, right. Like, how can he say, I know I wanted the hug. You, I didn't. I knew my glasses were there. You, They broke. And you have to pay for it. Like, it's just, it's astounding to me. Uh, yeah, that was a, a little bit of a stretch, obviously. Right. That wasn't like he came in with an agenda. That was right. just him reacting to a situation in right. crazy, ultimate douchebaggy way yeah. but under the way of like don't worry about it i'll send you a bill it's gonna be like <laughs> like it's like i'm doing him a favor yeah don't worry about it i'll invoice you i want to no big deal how's he like immediately trying to change that was all that i was yeah. just trying to change something like it was Look, there's no like, question you're gonna want to right right it. this don't is a given this is let's get past that awkwardness i'm making it easier for you <laughs> uh, that was the right. strategy go ahead sorry i want to keep the show moving of course uh, and i want to get into the topic but a, a couple other things i want to talk to you about yeah hey where, where are you from a couple places couple okay. uh, silver spring maryland okay. and then moved to a place called plantation florida believe it or not oh. then went to nyu drama school and then and where did started you, my stand up there that's what i was gonna ask started my stand up there although back in high this is a little confession with fetterman while i was in high school i was into you know in the plays and all of that and you know desperate for attention and i uh, started doing ventriloquism that was my oh. first kind of like entry into it and a lot i notice a lot of comedians do either ventriloquism or magic like at an early age hmm. just because it's it's sort of something that adults you can kind of impress adults with a little it's a little empowering there's a little bit of a i don't know uh, people uh, people who don't get stand-up comedy will at least appreciate that there's a skill is that what right you're i don't i'm not sure I, I, I don't i've talked to some people about it but it's it's just anyway it's just something I did early on and then stopped when I actually auditioned for a TV commercial with other ventriloquists. Mm-hmm. And I was in the waiting room with about maybe 20. And I was just like, okay, I can't be a subset of humanity. That this, I can't be in this subset of humanity. <laughs> you could only imagine how horrific it was. Never knowing where the voice is coming well, from. Well, it, 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 you know, it was like a mash unit. Like, heads are off and... Like, <laughs> Eyes are being like they would put uh, Vaseline on the eyes of the dummies, and it was just ridiculous. Now, here's the thing earlier when I said that your career could be described as delightful, you gave me a look. And now, even more so, because not only can you do ventriloquism, or at least you have, (laughs) I can. On top of everything else, and having a character in the X Files named after you, and being a part of legendary things, you can do ventriloquism and you can play the ukulele. Right. And. And and uh, you have the audacity to give me a look when I say that your career is delightful. No, the reason I gave you the look, I'm gonna, maybe you would answer that. Do you want to think why no. I would give that a look? Because I feel like, I felt like it was a little bit of a, a not a backhanded compliment. Oh, a little bit. I know wonderful. it seems sincere. I know it seems sincere, but it's almost like here's a guy. Remind us what you've done. That means no one's heard of you. And then, uh, and then a little bit. I know what you. I know, I know. But okay. what did you say? What was? What did? Did you say? Uh, what was uh, the quote to your girlfriend? Oh, uh, jog uh, my jog, memory. She said, "Jog my memory." Jog my memory. Yeah. Right. So, um, I feel like I'm in the. J- 
I'm not complaining about my career at all. I love my okay. career. I'm just saying I am in the jog your memory category of showbiz. And for uh, another thing, yeah. okay, I want to get before we get into the topic. Uh, you know, we've talked to people who didn't know you, but you now they now know you're right. an actor and uh, a stand-up, and you wrote for Jimmy Fallon. So it shouldn't surprise any of them to learn that you also wrote a book about Pistol Pete Maravich. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I don't mean for it to sound uh, condescending right. or a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it's an amazing, fascinating, okay, okay. and delightful. Okay, okay. Well, I'll take amazing and fascinating. Okay. No, delightful no, it, fa- it, sounded it, it, more like you've had a delightful career. <laughs> Obviously, no one here is making light of it. We, we right. think, I, I, I at least think that it is. Thank you, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, it speaks volumes that you've done so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to attack. I just thought it was funny. Like I've never heard it described. I've heard it described like, oh, you're very eccentric or eclectic. Excuse mm-hmm. me, not eccentric. Like you've had an eclectic career. Like all right, that makes sense. Delightful. I think maybe delightful for me because I get to talk about it because it is oh. so. Vague. All right, all right. Let's move on. Let's. Okay, move. I feel I'm, I'm beginning embarrassed that I attacked you for saying I was delightful. That <laughs> can't be good. This can't be good. I, I can take it back if you want. No, no. I made a mistake. I should have. Just going, yes, delightful is what I've been going for. Uh, but how did you come to write a book? It's called Maravich, am I right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it was a fi- five year project, uh-huh. and um, it's just the best sports story I've ever been involved, I've ever come across. And I love basketball. I lo- like yeah. from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I still play it. Still play in Converse sneakers, by mm-hmm. the way, and. I just I love playing it. I love watching it. And he was just a fat. I'm a little. He was a little before, slightly before my time. So I never really got to see him play or anything, mm-hmm. except on TV a couple times. But it's just a great story. I mean, I can go into it now, but I'd rather talk about movies. But yeah, I just I mean, maybe go into it a little bit. He's a fast. He's like he he was like a Harlem. You know the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like a globetrotter in a real game. Like, he was that flat at a time when, like, that was really frowned upon, and, like, he a lot of sports writers hated him, and but the fans loved him, and he had, like, a very, and he set scoring records in college that still stand today. Hmm. Like, this is before they had the three-point shot. I think you know uh-huh. what that is. And then, yeah. uh, so he's just, like, this prolific scorer, this insane, what they call ball handling. I know that sounds slightly <laughs> sexual, but that's what they call it. And then... <laughs> And so this just fascinating guy, but he was like a he was an entertainer, mm-hmm. and, but a very sad guy. And he goes to the NBA, has a great career, but never wins a championship. And he always mm-hmm. thinks that winning a championship will be the thing that will mitigate all this criticism of being what they used to call a hot dog, you know, uh-huh. and in a showboat and all of this stuff. Never does it. Comes close at the end, blows out his knee, retires. The team the next year goes on, wins the championship. He's distraught. Hmm. He's suicidal. Finally finds some some solace in uh, Christianity. Uh-huh. So he's born again. He's kind of happy. He's got a couple kids. Drops dead at age 40 of a heart, uh, heart condition. They find out he was born without a left coronary artery. Hmm. Wow. Shouldn't have lived to the age of 20. Yeah. Like the whole thing is like this weird miracle. And uh, and then just all the machinations with his dad, was his coach for a little bit, and uh, it's just a fascinating. It's it's Shakespearean. It's just like about a guy who dedicated his childhood. Like that's how that's how much time he had to spend to get that good at basketball uh-huh. to, to do this, and then he ended up hating playing basketball. <laughs> like the one thing he dedicated his life to. It's did you. 
you said it took you five years. Did you write it sort of on spec and then shop it around, or did you? Uh, it, what happened was there was another. I co-wrote it with another gentleman okay. named Marshall Terrell, and he had started the project, and then he brought me on because I wanted to write a screenplay about it because I think it would make a great movie. Like that was kind of my angle, and then when we got into it, it was just. We got the family on board, so I met his widow and his kids, and I was in his house. I mean, it was just a f- wow. phenomenal experience for me, and it just took a long time. I just found out that I'm a pretty slow writer. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty slow writer. Well, and uh, I'm a slow reader, by the way. You uh, are? Okay. Just, just trying to find some common ground. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it would probably take me five years to read it. So I, um, I apologize we went off on Pete Maravich. I just no, find I brought it up. Yeah, I, I just find he's fascinating. It, I like, remember. I find it fascinating, and I also find it fascinating that, that you, as a comedy person, can, yeah. mostly wrote, yeah, wrote yeah. the book. And I remember in... Uh, I think they made like a TV movie of it or something like that because I think in sixth grade uh, I watched something about him and I the only thing that I remember from it unfortunately is like the shoot from the hip thing right yeah that's how he got his name Pistol yeah yes yeah and um, so that was a movie just about basically his eighth grade where he played on the varsity basketball team as an right. eighth grader and what he had to go through and yeah. that was made a, like a year and a half after he died but he had wanted to make that movie because he loved. Again, he loved his childhood, mm-hmm. you know, and even when he was alone in that gym practicing like eight hours a day in a very OCD kind of way, mm-hmm. he uh, he just like he was happy. You know, he had this dream of being this great basketball star and winning a championship and it, that drove him. And then mm-hmm. it turned on him. It's just it's I, I think it could make a good movie. The problem would be obviously casting. Yeah. Like somebody who would be that skilled in basketball and also that good an actor uh-huh. to have that arc and i do any ideas like it would, i i don't well i don't know what actors are good at basketball <laughs> that, that, unfortunately yeah, but you'd have to definitely do a poll but and also <laughs> i think you'd have to i guess you could do something like like capote where you only show a, a slice of his life but his whole life is so interesting i think that you would need someone who is a good enough actor to play age you know 18 through that's a, 40. That's exactly how I wrote the screenplay from yeah. age, yeah, from right before so, he goes to college through 40. And this will get us into movies, so that, that screenplay does exist? A version of it exists. I'm working on a better version of it right now. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it was, it's a challenge. Like, those biopics are tough. Mm-hmm. They're tough. Like, I, I, I see, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I see uh, trailers for J. Edgar, mm-hmm. and, I'm Another optimi- great basketball I'm optimistic. player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm optimistic. <laughs> Under, underrated rebounder. Underrated. The fact that he could do it in women's clothing. <laughs> like there's just one little thing. No one's. There's no picture of him. There's one like in one biography. There's one side note about, the, and now that defines him as yeah. a person. Yeah. Uh, horribly corrupt uh, morally, but right. yes, this as well. Um, <laughs> But I'm actually I'm 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 optimistic because I I like Clint Eastwood as a director for the most part and I like DiCaprio as an actor. But like once I start seeing him in like old age makeup, that's when I'm just like, uh, oh, yeah. I don't know, man. Like I that agree with you. looks a little rough. And so that's but, but at the same time, like forty wouldn't require like a lot of old age makeup. So I think it's a very po- like for oh, it's totally doable. It's totally be doable. Yeah. Thank you for thinking of that. No, I agree. Like whenever I see the old age makeup, it's ter- it's just awful. It's awful. Although, are, do you, are, are you, uh, I'm reluctant to ask, are you a Harry Potter fan? Do you watch the I Harry Potter movies? I don't know if we should, wouldn't that be spoilery what? to talk about? 
Oh, that's true. Tyler doesn't think about these sorts of things. Okay. I don't think about these kinds of things. We can move things. on. I mean, yeah, I can pretend okay. that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. let's try right. to Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, I appreciate it. Appreciate right, it. We'll talk about it off Okay, here. thank um, you. Damn it. <laughs> we have other things we can talk about. Yeah, we, we have the history of movies to talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's, we started in 1905. Yes, but it and we peaks go. with Harry Potter. We all know it. <laughs> of course. Okay, so speaking, uh, there was a, uh, on our website, mm-hmm. uh, which you should go to, uh, uh, both you, Wayne, and all the well, First of all, I love the name of the website. How'd that happen? I know. Did, the, the I mean, you've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, was, so we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. I just think it's a great movie reference. It's and a it's, funny story in that I was reflecting on it uh, recently that... Um, that David came up with it. We were working. We had like a, some. Wait, some who's titles. David? Who's that's David? Oh, that's David. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I gotta stay on my toes with you. You are really freaking me out. But the um, it's 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 delightful. <laughs> no, it's, there's no question. It's delightful. God help me. Please don't hit me. Please. <laughs> so uh, the how dare you? So David sir. David came up with with the title, and I remember I was picking up that coffee table from a place in Hollywood and I was driving back and Dave was like, okay, I've got an idea. Battleship pretension. I'm like, ah, we can't do that, right? And he's like, I don't know. I, I, let's ask some people. So I asked like friend of the show, Jason E. Can I ask my wife? And they're like, yeah, that's kind of funny. You can't do that though. That's a ridiculous name. <laughs> and we're just like, okay, fair enough. What else can we do? And then you and I, with nobody else's support basically said like, I think we can do it. Let's yeah. do it. And that, and we get so many compliments on that name. It's great. It's great. And so, yeah. good job, we, David. We, we stuck to our guns. Yeah. Um, but on our website, there is uh, there are, there are three, but there's a recent list. Mm-hmm. We, we do these things uh, from time to time um, where we pick a topic, uh, best we've done best characters, best films, and now best directors. Right. And we have the uh, listeners vote, and then we write some little bullshit about each one. So it's just based on your... Podcast membership, yes. not you. This isn't this your. Is not our list. Oh. That's our I, I submitted my own ten. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, it is Inter- Okay, all right. Now but, I feel like I'm. We'll be mocking some guy in Muncie, Indiana. No, because it's not one person. They all voted, and we compiled all the votes. Right. So, and we but, we when there is a tie, that's when David and I decide. Well, well, well this now one it goes makes ahead of this sense one. because. Yeah, okay, now it all makes sense. Well, okay. It makes sense because the person listening to a podcast is going to skew young, right? Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is what I'm getting at. I, I, I got it. I know I, I didn't talk to you until you showed up here, but I know you and Tyler were talking about yeah, yeah. things to talk about on the show and lists. Uh, and this well, list first of all, before we even up. start, I just want to preface the whole thing by saying I, my movies are my favorite form of entertainment. Okay. Like, of all, like... I've seen maybe one modern family. Like, I don't watch TV shows as a rule. Mm-hmm. I watch sports on TV and some news, and that's... And then TCM, and, you know, I just love movies. Mm-hmm. Love them. And the reason I go to movies, which we'll get into why we're talking about lists, is... I don't know if it's the same reason you do, but it's for me, it's simply to get lost in that story. Mm-hmm. On the simplest artistic level, I'm a human being. I'm reacting to whatever these images are on the screen, and that's... That's why I go to the movie. So things take me out of the movie, and that makes the movie bad. Uh-huh. And things that don't take me out of the movie allow a movie to be good or great. So that's how I decide what's a good movie and what's a bad movie. Like, something can be bad, like dialogue can be like, oh, that just doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. A plot contrivance, you're like, seriously, why would you go back in that car after you knew? Or anything. Or just a weird shot where I'm like, why is he... 
why am I looking at the back of the head? You know, it's just something or some – and a lot of things can take you out of a movie or make you lose – so anyway, so that's that's how I decide what's a good or bad movie. Uh, I want to ask because you mentioned – you used the word story and plot. We did an episode a while ago yeah. where we talked about – whether or not cinema is an art form, is, oh, is it an inherently narrative art form, or is it an, an inherently visual and abstracted art form that can be used to tell stories? Which which one? If you boil that's it down, that's a great question. It's it? a go ahead. I think. Well, I mean, first of all, it's art. It's an art form, but it's a product. Is the first mm-hmm. thing. It's a product, just like a Ford Taurus is a product. It's made on a you know, it's made by people. They're getting paid. They're trying to sell it. Mm. It's basically right. going to be about two hours long. No. It's, it's all. It's, this is the product. It's all. They all kind of look the same, mm-hmm. and so it's. I think mainly it's. What was that? I can't think of the name of that book. But there was a mo- book talking about in the future movies are going to be called Feelies, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. um, I think it's Brave New World. But in. That's that's what it is. So it's making you feel something that maybe you can, you know, you're a dude and you're shut off to that stuff. Or, you're oh, I'm James Bond. I can, you know, this is fantastic. I get to live through this and shoot mm-hmm. a guy and mess around with this pretty girl uh-huh. with the double entendre name. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it's basically a narrative thing with all, with, this is what I love about it. It's, it's basically a story. It's like a fable. All of them. They're all stories. They're all beginning, middle, and end for the most for the most part. Ninety nine percent of them are that. And then within that, God, they just splash like J- a Jackson Pollock, like the paint of music, the paint of great dialogue, the paint of great actors interacting. These and just insane photography, state of the art photography, music, all. All of those are art forms that are used to help tell that thing. That's my take on it. I think I'm done. We're done. Okay. We had a good time. This was a good podcast. Thanks, Wayne. <laughs> this was only one word can be used to describe this. All right, but let's, uh, tell uh, me if I'm wrong about that. Uh, well, I think if you were to listen to that episode, I think you'd find that you line up more with Tyler's way of thinking about movies, and I tend to think of them more uh, as an abstract art form. I, the word that our listeners are probably sick of hearing now that I have used to describe myself is formalist, that I'm sort of more interested in, I guess, the the tools, both physical and just artistic tools, that are used to tell the story than I am in the actual story itself. The, give me an example. Just give me an, uh, uh, just a small example of a tool that's being used that's more in, intriguing to you than the, the plot of that story. Uh, Which I assume you're from. Recent, recent one. Yeah. You see, um, uh, 127 hours. Of course, of course. Uh, I'm more interested in the use of uh, jarring sound to because you can't feel what he's feeling. You can't feel the pain that he's feeling, and the use of the jarring sounds to make put you in the mindset of someone who's hurt. That's maybe of more interest to me than just the story of the guy reliving his past. Well, while of course, that's one of the. That's more interesting than yeah, the and story? That's it's just a, it's a, it's a sliding scale. We're all uh, into the same things. I just right, tend to right, weight right, it a right. little more in terms... Because I can watch... Um, basically, I, I can see a movie that's a story that I've seen a million times. I can see a movie that is right. derivative, maybe, in terms of plot. There, if it's told well, then I... 
Right. I mean, uh, I, I, like I, I think it's. I think we were. You're kind of a green in a weird way. That's what I'm saying. It's just. Yeah. It's just a matter of where the weight uh, falls. And I think the two can like inform each other. Like, and I think that that example from 127 hours. When I, because I think it's a great story with a great character, great performances. But of course, Danny Boyle is not a passive director. I mean, he just. I mean, I think the way you describe it is just like splashing all these different things onto the screen. Um, in service of the story, but the the story also in, indicates what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. Like as he's spoilers cutting through his arm. <laughs> that is not a okay. Right. Um, and the old age makeup. Huh? <laughs> anyway, but as he's cutting through his arm, you know the minute he hits the nerve because right. that's when there's like a little this weird little staticky flash on All the right. screen and a horrible noise and. Because, as David said, like we can't feel the physical pain, but the closest we can feel to pain is something that is jarring visually and orally or right. audio. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so, like, but can we just stop just for a second? Sure. I, I don't quite get the we can't feel the pain. What does that mean? It's like you well, another uh, just the fact that we're not physically having our arms cut off at the moment. Right. We we but we you can. You can sympathize with the pain, and, and the tools of the cinema are used to help you sympathize. I just meant to—I right. just meant to say you can't. Well, obviously, you can't physically feel your own. Well, I'm just saying, like I'm saying, like when somebody falls in love with it in a movie, do you feel like you can fall in love? Like that's something you can transfer, as I opposed th- to physical pain, it's, an emotion. I think maybe like, a little. Uh, I, I think it's probably easier. Or fear, or fear. Then, I uh, think an, is a big one. Another yeah. thing that uh, came up a lot in film school and other directors have talked about. Uh, how difficult it is to transmit to an audience that it's supposed to be cold. Uh, oh. that, like there, there are very few films that do it, do right. it correctly. Right. Uh, and so I think those sort of physical things may be harder to get across. Hot, you can do because there's visual signifiers of it, like sweat and mm-hmm. that kind well, of. Well, there's thing. visuals. I mean, the the breath and all of that, right. and, and the chattering. I've seen. Yeah. It. I mean, yeah. a little in James Cameron's Titanic. I don't know if you're familiar with it from 1999. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> 1997. 1997. Yes. Good one. Yeah. Good one. Uh, this, I know it came out Christmas, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It blew everything away. Yeah. Uh, the most successful movie of the 90s, by the way. I know every decade the most successful movie. Um, okay. You're going to ask me any decade. This 50s. Is, uh, that is uh, The Ten Commandments. Makes sense. I don't actually know. I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cecil B. DeMille, I think, was the director of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're shivering in Titanic. The, the yeah, so I felt like, I I thought that was, it seemed like Jack. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. his character. I think so. Yeah. For a moment, I thought you were referring to Jack, the movie right, with Robin Williams. Right, right, right. Um, no. Uh, yeah, so I felt like they... They got cold in that. Like, I felt like that was... And the one that always works for me is there's a scene early in The French Connection. Come, come wait. <laughs> come back. Come back. <laughs> come back. Uh, there's a scene early in The French Connection that's just, I think, Gene Hackman and uh, Roy Scheider just talking outside the police station. And the whole time they're, they're talking, the conversation isn't about how it's cold, but they're both sort of like, like just like stamping their feet a little oh, bit. Oh, yes, like yes, yeah, yeah. And together. Like, yeah. It's, it's is that, formative. Is that Friedkin, Billy Friedkin? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we call him William because we don't know him well <laughs> enough to say Billy. So, but, um, but yeah, and so one of the things that, but, that you and I talked about uh, is, because I remember you were recently on uh, Never Not Funny. Yes. And... Um, and you guys, like, very briefly, like, it was the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, I can tell. Everyone has stronger opinions about this. I wish, oh, I wish 
uh, you guys talked yeah. more about it. You talked about, I remember talking about there's the Desert Island movie. Right. There's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And there's best movie. And that often, and if you're honest with yourself, it will not be the same movie for all three. Of course. And that was my point I was trying to make. And they yeah. were like, what's your favorite movie that you would take on a Desert Island? Like, those are two. Yeah. Stop that right now. <laughs> And, they're two uh, separate things. And this ties into the listing thing. Right. Yes, yes. Giving these movies a certain Cause as uh, you and I were, worth. As you and I were emailing back and forth, you mentioned that uh, you know looking at the list was interesting and combined with this other thing that we're talking about, that there's no such thing as an objective list and that sort of thing. And so... Well, this, can, can I just cut you off a little bit? Sure. I mean, obviously, I agree. I mean, we can talk about your favorite movie, which is different than what you think the best movie is, which right. is maybe even different than what you think the great, a perfect movie and the greatest movie might be two different movies. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that I uh, say, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go. I'm, I'm curious. Um, uh, Ryan Johnson's Brick from a few years ago. I don't know if you saw that movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, not at all. Um I, I I do think from a like, just a construction. It's about the uh, sportscaster, the LA sports guy, Vic uh, the Brick. That, <laughs> okay, no one's gonna know that. No one's gonna know that. Uh, no, it's a uh, it's a sort of forty style film noir, but set in a modern day high school. And oh. it's uh, better than that sounds. A lot better. Um, First of all, that sa- sounded good to me. Uh, okay, it, sound- it sounds maybe uh, it gimmicky. Could, yeah, it could sound a little too gimmicky. I think. Okay. Um, but I think from just an execution standpoint and storytelling. I think it is a perfect movie in that every single thing that Ryan Johnson as a director and as a storyteller set out to achieve, he hit. It's not it's not even my favorite movie of 2006, let alone my favorite movie of all time, but I do think it's perfect. Interesting that you wouldn't... Wow. Oh, right. And that's exactly what I was saying. The uh, perfect movie may not even be your favorite movie. No. Because you may, there may be a... Uh, that's great. That's great. And in spite of uh, the when in two, for the year two thousand seven, when we talked about like our ten favorites, yeah. not yeah. best, but our ten favorites, I think I need to I need to rethink mine because the two like the two big movies that people remember of that uh, year. Did and I get the year right on Brick? Was it two thousand six? Uh, I'm not a year guy, but okay. I think that's right. It might be five. It might be five. I got ninety seven because me I because I can remember that Titanic <laughs> won Best Picture over LA Confidential, and that was wrong. Um, <laughs> but then at the same time, had okay. That's I don't want to get off on that. Um, in two thousand seven, you had a lot of great movies, but specifically you had like No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. I think No Country for Old Men is about from a stylistic. And a character and storytelling, I think that's about as perfect as you get. Like it is, it is as strange as it sounds. Like it just seems, it seems somehow airtight. And I like it. I enjoy watching it. But I do think that somehow there will be blood is a greater movie because I found myself getting like so. There's so many moments in there that made me not necessarily uncomfortable, but I just felt so much more invested because there was almost a certain degree of sloppiness to the storytelling. I, I, I know this is the thing we talked about, and I'll let Wayne no, re- react to that. But I think it's a perfect example because the Cohen brothers are like Hitchcock. Uh, airtight is the right word. You can you could sort of feel uh, that everything that happens in the movie happened in their head before they shot it. And, and, it, and it, it turned out exactly the way they wanted it to. Whereas, like, you know, uh, the shot in There Will Be Blood when there's the fire in the um, at the oil derrick or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and just sort of there's Johnny Greenwood's insane uh, music and the camera just sort of... The way the camera moves toward the oil derrick is clearly not... Uh, 
I don't think it was storyboarded or anything. I think that was just like it, it. It almost and maybe it was, and that's just the film being great. But it almost feels at that point like the film is almost has its own consciousness, and 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 the camera is moving that way and moving toward there and working with the music in that way because that's what the film is supposed to do, not what the creators had in mind. If that makes any no. sense, Wayne, what do you think about what we've been saying? Well, I. I remember both those movies. Saw them that year. I think No Country was my favorite movie of that year. Yeah. Although... It was my my second favorite movie. But um, behind Uh, There Will Be Blood? For for my own... Oddly enough, when I think back... For me, yes. There Will Be Blood was number one. I'm just looking for the name of a movie. Ratatouille. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was another great one. Yeah, yeah. That was a good movie. Uh, I I don't... There Will Be Blood, I think, is a flawed movie. Is a, so and I couldn't have seen it under better circumstances, like a okay. screening, a big thing. Paul Thomas Anderson, he's the guy, right? Yeah. He was there. Q and A. Who's the lead actor? That dude, Daniel Day Lewis. He was there. Like it was star. You know, it was like it was. Uh, I, I I have problems with that movie. I don't want to break down what right. why that why I don't think that movie is as good as it, I know it's on your list and all mm. of that stuff and the kids out there listening to this podcast <laughs> love it <laughs> and uh, there was some uh, I'll leave it at this I'll put it this way for those who know the movie I felt like the first half hour of that movie I was like this could not only be the best movie this year this might be one of Wayne Fetterman's greatest movies uh-huh. like I could I love the pace of it the no dialogue when he was down I just could, I was like I'm in Mm-hmm. And then it, there was a slow unraveling for me. For so number, it wasn't one thing; it just sort of like, there was a number of things. There was okay. an, a you know, it was one thing and then another and then another and then then uh, by the end, I was like, I mean, the fact that he had a bowling alley and then to have to have that scene in the bowl, it wasn't ex- eccentric enough. He had a bowling alley; uh-huh. you had to make that set piece in there with right. the bowling pin. Yeah. I was just uh, not I, good, uh, not good writing. That speaks to uh, as there's things. Another thing that comes up in the show a lot yeah. is movies that aren't comedies but you find really funny and thoroughly blood the more i watch it because the more that the less that i'm sort of shocked and appalled by the things that happen yeah. in it it's it's a really funny movie there's a lot of really funny stuff there's some great uh, scenes in it. there's some mm-hmm. there's some great scenes in it, it. I, just, I mean the scene where he's got the napkin in front yeah, of his face yeah, I mean, just, yeah. yeah phenomenal phenomenal <laughs> i mean just great just great um uh, old country for old men I love it. It's not my favorite one of their movies. And th- that movie was so good, in my opinion, mm-hmm. even though its ending, its last scene, mm-hmm. is not bad. Mm-hmm. It is incomprehensible. You can't, I can't comprehend as a human being what is happening, why they're talking about a dream, what that dream means, how that's associated with the movie. That's how you're going to cut to black. I, I was just like, that's how good a movie it was that the end of the movie, the most important thing, was incomprehensible in my opinion. See, I think this maybe is another example of the thing the, re- the thing that I value in movies, yeah. because since I'm not uh, as invested, I mean, that, that sounds wrong, but right. uh, since the character and the story aren't the most important thing to me, whatever that scene's about, it's executed in a way that makes me feel a certain, like... Confusion. S- sadness, and, and I think intentional <laughs> confusion. Uh, and so it works for me because I right. I think it's intentional. And by the way, I've seen everything those guys have ever done. Yeah. What's your, what is your favorite of their movies? Because my we were talking oh, about it's, it's not even a quite Fargo. It's Fargo. not even a. I mean, I know that's the nor that's uh-huh. the boring answer, but I just that movie beginning, middle, and end. 
satisfying. Satisfying. Yeah. It's like a delicious meal. I can't. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's That's everything one, I want. In, it's I everything it was funny. Oh, my God. It's it, everything I would want in a movie. And uh-huh. one of the great uh, protagonists in film history, if he has mm-hmm. like a pregnant local cop, uh-huh. yeah. is... Yeah. I, in a million years, who would ever pitch? Like, this is what I love. I could go on and on about how much I love Fargo, but <laughs> like, you could, could you imagine pitching that to a studio? Like, oh yeah, and she's like an un, you know semi-attractive, pregnant cop. That's our protagonist. In, the uh-huh. I, in a million years, it would never get green lighted. <laughs> like, that's green lit. Or yeah. uh, so, and it'll be played by an actress that you really don't know much about at all. And you have to wonder how it did actually, because that was it would have been coming off Hudsucker Proxy, which is one of their only financial failures, yeah. right? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I just. I can't talk. I mean, from the opening shot, from everything about it, it's just the way. That, all right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And it's, and it's, it's one of my. It's one of my favorite movies. It's one of the way in the history of movies. Yeah, I, I brought up my my favorite movie of all time is Barton Fink. Oh, it is. Yeah, but I, that, oh, okay. I, I do think see. it's a great movie, but also it, it because of the fire. You like fire, <laughs> but also just personal. <laughs> this is a weird thing. I'm learning this about you. you. Know, I saw it in, in put down the matches. Eighth grade. It was like sort of a watershed moment. Like a scales fall from the right. Eyes. Like, oh, this right. Is what film can be. Uh, type of moment, right? And you know, a lot of people would disagree with you. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. And that's what I'm saying. It's not. That, I don't think it's the greatest movie. It's my favorite because for a number of reasons. It means personal right, right, to me. right. And this actually uh, bringing up Fargo uh, leads me to talking about lists and that sort of thing because I remember when the AFI made their like their first official list, which was I think like '98. Uh, Fargo was on there, like the, like when they televised the the thing. Fargo was on there, like in the in the '90s. Um, and then they made it again and ten years later. Ten years later, and it wasn't on there. But I do remember at the time, and admittedly I was young. But Fargo being on that list, I immediately thought, like, "Wow, look!" I apologize. I'm going to use the phrase again. Look who's thinking outside the box. Right. I would not expect that movie to be on AFI's list because. Don't get me wrong. I was excited that it was. Right. But it's like this isn't usually the kind of movie that makes it on lists like these, you know, and just. And if you look at like all of the AFI lists, I wish I had them in front of me, but there's a lot of them now. Is they always seem to repeat the same movies? Like that's not true. Li- there was 23 movies that were taken off the 97 list and replaced in the 2007 list. 23. That's almost a quarter of all the movies. But they also, but they almost always, but they like Fargo was taken off, for example. So was the Third Man. I know that's one of your guys. Great. I know there was a seizure that just happened. Oh my gosh! Hold I on. didn't. I don't think I. Uh, okay, I didn't realize that. That's. But you know these lists don't mean anything. I know they're they're pretty. They do mean something. The I disagree with you. Okay, they, I wanted to get back. That to the is point. not. The, yeah. They do mean a lot. Okay, so what are you talking about? The, uh, topic. And, and they did. And they did add much. Much to my surprise, for the same reason as like Fargo, they added Blade Runner, which is a movie that I love, but. It doesn't seem like the kind of movie that makes it on lists like that. And part of me thinks, like, well, why am I instinctively thinking that? What kinds of movies right. are uh, are on lists like that? And when I say, like, they always use the same ones, I mean, like, if you look at, like, the top 100 romances and the top 100, you know, thrills, and, like, they have, like, Lawrence of Arabia on the thrills list. And it's like, don't get me wrong, there are thrilling moments in it, but you have it alongside Silence of the Lambs. You're referring to thrillers. Oh, they, I didn't know that. I didn't know they had Lawrence of Arabia as a. Th- I don't know if that's yeah. right because they, they usually do the top ten of each. That's what that's what they've done lately. But oh, like, they, have, they did like 
they did. They like wouldn't. I can't imagine. Times. I can't imagine was, Lawrence Arabia was in the top ten thrillers. It was. It was in the top like fifty, I think. Okay. All right. And it was just. It was like one hundred years. One hundred. Oh, that's a mistake. Thrills. That's a mistake. And, All right. Yeah. And it seemed. I remember the joke. I I would always make. It's like. Does AFI have like stock in these movies, and so they just have to keep shoehorning them into these lists that they really don't belong? But and it it kind of makes me think like Lawrence of Arabia. It's a, a movie I love, but it makes me wonder like that's the kind of movie that that everyone's okay with being on lists. I understand. Whereas Blade Runner, no, Fargo, I, really aren't. I think, well, I th- first of all, I think if there's a new list uh, that will come out, uh, they'll obviously update it. I think mm-hmm. Fargo will go back on because like it's mm-hmm. look, these things go in and out of fashion. Yeah. My favorite part of the relist, which was to me the most fascinating thing, like because yeah. there was a huge backlash against that hundred list. Yeah. The twenty three films are now taken off, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were pre ninety seven. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like oh, these are the new films that are the yeah, great films. Right. Um, one got to seventeen, if I'm not mistaken. 17 in the revised list, not on the first list. Oh, that means what, you jumped whatever that's... What was it, I wonder? The general. Oh. Oh, yeah. Because they, they kind of ignored that, that era a little bit, and they were like, you got to be kidding me. Like, mm-hmm. And so and all those Keaton nuts, and you're yeah. probably listening right now, you Keaton people. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, that's his best movie, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, every, I think that's an agreed upon. But yeah. it wasn't on the original, and then was like... 17th it might be 27th but i'm pretty sure 17th and the rest were in the 50s and above but i thought that was beyond fascinating now, i want to discuss keaton's best movie in a little bit because yeah. i don't necessarily agree but i, I you want, don't I, I think it depends on what you're valuing because it's oh, the that's right is, you like all right you don't like story and all right it, 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 the general compelling more, satisfying ending none of this thing, means anything to you i because forgot the thing is the general is more like technologically i think advanced and sound but it's not as funny as uh, Sherlock, say, Sherlock Junior, Steamo Bill Junior. My personal favorite is Steamo Bill Junior. You like the juniors, yeah? The two I, juniors. I like, uh, Those I, are both good. If he's I, a if he's a comedian, I, I guess I value the ones that make me laugh more. And the general, as impressed as I am by it, and I think it's great. I mean, it, yeah, of course, of course. But I I, yeah. I, I just wouldn't put it. Oh, in my okay. And it, and he's the kind of direct. I remember I I took a class on silent comedy in in school and. I wrote a very long paper about Keaton as somebody who's just fascinated by the idea of mechanism. Mm-hmm. And he was actually, a, for a comedy guy, he was surprisingly experimental. And if you look at, like, Sherlock Jr., there's all kinds of stuff where he's, like, experimenting with film and what the camera can do. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you like that, if you like that aspect of Keaton, you'll like that more. You'll think it's better. Right. And let me tell you why. General, but I like the general more. Yeah, but also, and- Sherlock Jr. is funnier. I want to keep. I want to come back to that. I, I think laugh, it's funny. I laugh a lot of the general. Oh, I'm not saying it's not funny. I agree. I just, there's might be funnier moments, but as a complete film experience, which right. is what I go for, which was I got many a laughs. I got ridiculous thrills in that movie, and mm-hmm. I got a really compelling Civil War story mm-hmm. as well. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just got a lot in yeah. for my money. But um, it's so funny you should talk about it because there's a comedian. That I talk about all the t- not that I talk about all the time, but it comes under discussion. Named Ernie Kovacs. Mm-hmm. Do you know who this guy is? I've all right, heard, yeah. I've, it sounds familiar. He, he was a, a very experimental, like avant-garde stuff at the camera. Like he would shoot at a forty-five degree angle, but it would look normal. Then he tried to pour milk, and it would fly out one mm-hmm. way. You know, he would do that kind of thing. And people are just like, "He's the funny." It was like I never thought he was that funny. Mm-hmm. I just always thought he was interesting. Uh-huh. You know, so. And you know, in the same way that those Keaton movies that are just like experimental, yeah, they're fascinating and way ahead of their time. But I don't think there is 
serve the story as much. All right, we're done. Uh, but I, 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 okay, the thing we wanted to talk about going, coming in here was was yeah. lists, and yes. I said I said lists aren't impor- important, and I specifically said it to get a rise. So, uh, <laughs> am I that easy? Is it that easy? <laughs> because I wanted to get back to the topic. Is it like an on-off switch? Like, okay, this is this idiot sitting uh, here. <laughs> so tell us why lists are important. Because I think for those of for me, just for me, who loves film and loves the experience, I lo- there, it's a communal experience. So when these lists come up, it's other people interacting with your experiences in that movie. Granted, it's subjective. We know that. Mm-hmm. I could make the case that Puppet on a Chain is the greatest movie ever made. I'm sure you've never heard of it, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's uh, – but if, if I'm the only one saying it, it's going to – it's. It's not going to have credibility. So all you can have in these lists and when you want to, like, celebrate these – what did we talk about earlier? They're, like, com- these pieces of commerce, these products, mm-hmm. these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's a great way to celebrate the history of it and get people interested in the history of it, which I do think is important in a distracting kind of life. You know, obviously life is meaningless and, you know, <laughs> we're all going to – not only die, but this whole thing will explode eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> I, I, we all know this we're all aware. Quite as delightful as it was <laughs> right. at the beginning, right? No, but I'm just saying. So, as someone who just loves the art form, feels like, and this is going to sound a little like I feel like it's what one of the things America does best in the world, like. Mm-hmm. You know, the operas, like the Italians and the Germans, they got the angle on that. And we built these opera houses in the United States to, like, hey, we're cultured. <laughs> we are cultured. <laughs> but guess what? What we really were cultured about was, like, music, uh-huh. movies, you know, yeah. these things that were for – movies are for poor people. Yeah. Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. that, was for, that was not high entertainment ever at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this was, like, Jewish – uh, what would uh, you know, cloth salesmen and stuff uh-huh. like that from New York are like, oh, I think I can make some money putting these Nickelodeons downtown, and people are like, oh, we're into it. We like these uh-huh. stories. Boom, we have this new industry yeah. that, yeah, French were making movies, but not like, not like us. <laughs> and so I just love the industry itself, and I just that's so that's why I think the lists are important because it does take people, opens people's eyes to these movies that most people think is. You, you're not going to have the greatest movie, uh-huh. but you can have arguably the greatest movie. You could say, you know, you can say Citizen Kane. It's in the argument is the greatest movie ever made. And Citizen Citizen Kane, oddly enough, is my favorite movie, and it has been since I was 15. That's like, weird. It is very strange. <laughs> and and what's more is I'm not saying the AFI stole my idea, right. but uh, the the list came out. I think two years later, and I was like, oh, great. Now it's going to look like uh, I've been... Right, right. That's you know, funny. But like didn't that in some way... That's why I think these lists are important. Didn't that in some way like, oh, I'm on to something. I kind of <laughs> can recognize, even as a youngster... Well, at the when it comes to the assholes that we went to film school with, it's basically just I look like I'm some kind of follower, right. and people are just naturally contrarian. But whether it's your favorite right. or Meanwhile, not... Dare to say something bad about Wes Anderson in our film school? Oh, <laughs> which I yeah, and I uh, like Wes Anderson, but I, like not a big. There's fan. just certain it, that's anyway. But um, are you a fan of Wes Anderson's? Films? No, I think it's interesting that I feel like each movie is worse than the one before. His films, yeah, yeah. I feel like after uh, like those those first two, and then it's just been everyone is. But I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is his best film. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get the. I couldn't get into it. 
because I, I just think he's so uh, and I did hear that which and he's so into the minutia that stop motion is the perfect uh, right, 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 way right. for him to be working. I'm a Royal Tenenbaums fan myself. Yes, so. yeah, I like the Royal Tenenbaum, yeah. but did you think it was better in Rushmore? I do, yes. Do you think it was better I, in Rushmore? I like Rushmore David. a lot. Royal Tenenbaums is the second... My second favorite. But and I what was that first one they did? The Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket, yeah. Which I wasn't so, okay, a huge so it's those three, and yeah. then... And then Life Aquatic, which is and a then step it's down. All, yeah, and then what was the one after that? The, Darjeeling Limited, which had some really great but moments, but... We'll admit it's worse than the one before. Worse than Life Aquatic? I think you liked hmm. it more, but I think that's probably... I think, yes, you're talking about the consensus, which brings us back to our topic we're yeah. talking okay. about, and, and why the lists are important. Okay, let's talk about your list for a little bit. But yeah, I, I wanted to say that this yeah. thing you're talking about, about getting... It's if it's just one person, it doesn't mean as much as if it's. I feel like there is something that's subjective. Something that's subjective as mm-hmm. what I like in a create in a piece of art, right. or, uh, con- or uh, a piece of art. That, but that's why we do our list the way we do. If it's it, just me and Tyler's opinion, though it right. does have some worth because we went to film school, right. um, it doesn't have as much uh, mm-hmm. worth as gathering a consensus of, of an entire yeah. sort of, of slice of of film lovers across right. the world. A slice of the. Potosphere? The Potosphere, yes. <laughs> and it's interesting because <laughs> our... It, it, like, I've tried to look... There are things... There are people that made it on our list and made it high, you know, made it pretty high up in the list that I remember just being like, come on, guys. Oh, but yeah. if I approach it from a different angle, which is this is a slice of, I would say, movie, like genuine movie lovers of a certain age probably i'd say 30 and and under right and if you look at it from that standpoint top 10 mostly untouchable people say that tarantino doesn't belong in there and i Mm. can see that but like that's the top 10 that you'll find with almost any age i mean the top three are hitchcock kubrick scorsese all of them within one vote of each other like and that's a top three that's i'd say mostly mostly untouchable i don't think people would argue with that and so I've tried to approach it more as a slice, like you said, kind of a slice of... Or a snapshot. A snapshot of this group of people at this age, at this time. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, the time thing comes up. We we talked about it at length. Uh, uh, And I I love our list, but uh, Edgar Wright is entirely too high on the list. uh, (laughs) Because he's at number 16 out of 100, and he's only made three films. I believe he's one Uh, higher than John Ford. (laughs) Yeah, he's above John Ford. Well, to me, the director's list, for those listening... The most egregious uh-huh. was like uh, Michael Curtiz. Uh-huh. He, he wasn't on our list. Yeah, he's not on. Oh, he's not on our. Oh, he's I not see. on your list. And I was like, all right. Not only to direct, arguably the greatest movie ever made. It's in the argument. So it's it in is, the top yeah. ten of your movies. Mm-hmm. It's in the top ten character, and then whatever that list yeah. you guys came up with, whatever yeah. that means. Our listeners came up with. Yeah, yeah. The Rick. Yeah. And I think it's uh, number two on the AFI list. Yeah. Casablanca. Uh, and the director be- of that movie, I was like, all right, he's not going to be in the top no. 10. Okay, maybe he's got to be in the 20. All right, he's going to be in 30. <laughs> and that, like, once it, then it was not on the list, it was just like this. No. It's literally like leaving, I don't know, Rogers Hornsby off a of baseball. It would just seem uh-huh. so ridiculous. Now, it's, what? It, and we actually talked about this because. That in particular, that guy? That not not him, but like, for example, now Orson Welles is in our top 10. Yeah. But it's interesting that. Kane was top was number one character, number one movie, number eight at a, like eight or nine director. Right, right, and it's interesting that it's just and even though I kind of agree with that because you have to look at the general right. career of somebody. Well, that's another question. Do you look at peak performance versus the whole thing? Yeah. I, I, well, I also think uh, 
Michael Curtiz in particular, um, I think maybe Tyler talked about the age of our our listeners. Right. They uh, they might not know any of his films besides Casablanca, and you don't hear right or wrong. You don't hear Casablanca talked about that often as a Michael Curtiz film the way you do Citizen oh, Kane as okay. Orson Welles. Okay, film. yeah, um, that's a good argument. Even though I mean. It, Casablanca and, and The Adventures of Robin Hood alone, I think those two put him in what I would consider the top top ten, maybe. And and I think Casablanca is directed very well, but it is. But having seen Adventures of Robin Hood only pretty recently, like in the last year, um, it astounds me how fluid that movie is, and it's very much a function of the director. Whereas Casablanca, again, it's directed well, but. You know, there are certain, like, dialogue scenes where the camera's pretty static, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But in in watching those two movies, and those might be the only two movies of his that I've seen that I'm aware of, um, watching those two, you can see that he's the type of director that can adapt to whatever film he needs to direct. You know, like, there's not a lot of amazing, set, uh, like, action set pieces in Casablanca. Uh, it's mostly just, like, people talking, and he can, you know heighten the emotion of that whereas with robin hood i mean the 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 final sword fight between robin hood and is it it's is it guy of gisborne because i don't think it's the sheriff i think it's guy uh, guy of gisborne it's been a while who uh they're fighting and the camera just goes along with them and sometimes we see their shadow sometimes right. it's just such a brilliantly directed sequence and so um but that's the thing is when i think of michael curtiz i think of those two movies and i'm not sure if a lot of a lot of movie watchers think of a lot of his movies like uh Alan J Pakula from the 70s yes, yeah. great director Franklin you know Franklin Schaffner Franklin Schaffner's a yeah, great director my, well he like, has those three movies that are just I call them the P movies there's Patton Patton Papillon, Papillon. And Planet of the Apes. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. And those are, three Ps. And those are great. You know, two of those movies are iconic. Papillon is a good is a yeah. great movie as well. It's not thought of in the same way. But those are three great movies. But for some reason, for whatever reason, and well-directed, but for whatever reason... They're not just kind Franklin of, Schaffner movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and that's, that's no fault of his. It's just for some reason, as time has gone on, he's a director that has been kind of forgotten about. Uh, I, 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 we should wrap up soon. I know you have somewhere to be. Uh, any any other thoughts on our list or lists in general uh, that you wanted to to get out? Uh, or thoughts? Uh, what, no, what, what, I was what also your favorite a, best in Desert Island. <laughs> do you have? Uh, do well, you have? I, I mean, I was I was kind of I just came up with a list of directors, and mm-hmm. you know, it's pr- pretty much everyone, ex- with the exception of. Uh, Curtis and William Wyler. For some reason, yeah. nobody knows that guy. He, he was submitted once, and that was it. <laughs> He's been nominated like more times mm-hmm. than any other director or something. Mm-hmm. And I think and he did uh he did Best Years of Our Lives, correct? And Ben Hur. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's won a few times. Yeah. It was, phenom- it was like yeah. the Titanic of its time, that movie. And it's surprisingly strange that Ben Hur I mean that's that's a movie that people know about. Oh. oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just keep let's just power through here. Right, right. right. Um Oh, that was interesting. Uh, Somebody that was a William Wyler fan calling in. Yeah. No, but I just I thought, voted, like, I so I just, I feel it's just interesting to me. I wasn't like, oh, these people are idiots. I mean, there were some, you know, they, there was a lot of great directors on that list, but like, I guess those studio guys kind of get a little. 
pushed as opposed to the ones that are slightly to the outside of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've also, um, and I'm also a huge Capper fan, so I am like, yeah, like mm-hmm. that he's that low surprises me. And he was he was like not on the list for right. a long time. Was Victor got, Fleming on your list? No, I don't think he was submitted once. Um, you know, you know what he did in 1939. Oh, something notable, I think. <laughs> like Gone with the Wind, of course. Yes. And uh, what else? And wait, there's one other movie he did that year. Did he? He directed Gone with the Wind, right? Yes. Yeah. And there were George Cooper. Yes. Yes. Was, uh, okay. okay. All right. So just making sure. Yeah, got he gets right. the credit for that. And okay. is he also? He's not also Wizard of Oz, is yes. he? Yes. He also did Wizard of Oz. That's one year. <laughs> Um, that's pretty notable. I'd say that's, that's pretty notable. I'd say that's on par with Spielberg, who's like number five, doing Jurassic Park and Schindler's <laughs> List in one year. Um, and it's, but that's the one that people remember, right? And they forget. Uh, By the way, I didn't even, you know, <clears throat> I don't yeah. remember that. Again, but I again, it may go back to the point you're making, which is interesting to me. That they're not thought of as like, oh, that's a Victor Young movie. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. more like Gone with the Wind was a Selznick movie, or Selznick The Wizard is, of Oz yeah. was some. You know, you know, uh, Louis B. Mayer idea of what this mm-hmm. could all be. Uh, I, I also, and uh, another bias maybe that I saw in our list, and maybe this has to do with age, or maybe it has to do with yeah. like internet type people, is um, uh, directors who work in genre get got higher on our list maybe like an edgar wright oh uh, yeah and, and in terms of asian directors we got you know uh, chanwick park and and uh who's the mizuguchi i, I yeah. can't remember his name because i've never seen any of his films but uh notable current a- like contemporary asian directors like hu xiao shen and the thai guy uh pong we're set the cool i'm not sure how you say it uh i'm sure on- i'm sure however you said it that was offensive to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh it didn't get on the list um and uh i, I just yeah, I think that's a that's a genre bias. Yeah, it's it's a, that's what I'm saying. I and feel I like these lists are interesting for the, the reason we're having this discussion right mm-hmm. now, and they are important, and they're important. And I know people who watch this and Kane are just like, I, I can't connect with this movie. I just mm-hmm. got an email from a guy. Yeah, I just saying, I thanks yeah. for making this. I know it's everyone thinks this is great. Yeah, but you know I like Shawshank Redemption better. But you know what's interesting? By the way, a movie I don't like. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I'm one of the we'll few. get to that in a moment. I'm one of the few. Um, but okay, the we uh, start I know, but I want to. <laughs> I, I want to make this point. And we'll get to Shawshank. Because, no, we don't have to. It was just that's a sidebar. I know, but I want to. I want to talk about it. All right. So um, the uh, no, because it's interesting. Um, I recently got an email from a listener who knows that I, it's my Citizen Kane's my favorite movie, and it tops all these lists and all that kind of thing. And he's like, I watched it and I appreciated it, but it didn't really resonate with me. And he said, I guess I'll just have to watch it again. And I think that's where lists come in, is people – it lists are subjective. Er, opinion is always subjective. But the fact that there's the list out there makes it a little bit more objective. So the person watches a movie and they're like the, – I think where you naturally would think this movie sucks, I think a, it being on a list and right. consistently right. causes people to think like I must be missing something. I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to challenge myself as a movie watcher. There's also a, a contextualization thing. I think maybe a person who doesn't know much about older American films or foreign films or, or whatever to, mm. to just watch one because it's supposed to be good isn't going to be enough. But to see it and 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 maybe to tr- like to try and see more things on a list, it will it's more of an educational thing. I think yeah. Citizen Kane. Uh, I I think it's 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 great, just hands down. But I also think it helps to have 
more of a working knowledge of uh, film in the 19, 1930s and early 1940s to to see maybe why it was so important and so daring. Uh, when I saw it at 15, I had been working uh-huh. towards it. Like, I had yeah. seen, like, Maltese Falcon and, Barry, uh-huh. and Thin Man and that well, kind of this thing. This is, I have my, uh, remember I talked at the very top of this, a lot mm-hmm. about me and my career, and that was the best part of this podcast. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about it, right? Definitely. It was delight. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> It was fascinating. Uh, but remember I talked about things that take you out of a movie, and that's mm-hmm. what makes them bad. One of the reasons people can't connect with Citizen Kane or a lot of these old, old pre-1980 movies, I'll even mm-hmm. go back that far, is because the technology changes, the dialogue, the st- style of acting changes, yeah. the way that's... Th- the speed of the movie, like, they tend to take a little longer back then, a little, mm-hmm. let it breathe a little more. The music is like, what's this weird film score under almost the whole thing? I don't know yeah. what's going on. This uh-huh. is annoying. The, uh, oh, oh, and just the, the lack of swearing and the lack of just, yeah. like, I, I can't, so all of those things would take a, a kid who's like 20 or something like that out of a Citizen Kane or out of a Casablanca mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, this is like a hokey... And obviously black and white. That is yeah. another huge part of it. And and that is why I like to watch any movie made before 1980 on the big screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it gives me my best chance not to be pulled out, to mm-hmm. be kind of like lost in that silver screen. You can kind of get a sense of like, oh, this is what it was like in 1947 to sit yeah. and watch... This and hear it, and you know the, the sound, like the fidelity, of the sound is so thin in those movies, mm-hmm. as opposed to mm-hmm. like it's you know there's no low end really. There's no it's there's a little hiss on the whole thing. So that's that's been that's as a film lover, I love mm-hmm. like the last two I saw was at the ArcLight in Sherman Oaks. I saw mm-hmm. Funny Girl, which I'd never seen on the big screen, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, they redid The Usual Suspects. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I really like that movie. And I was like, okay, let me see how this aged. And uh-huh. it's yeah. just fun for me. It's just that's the best uh, way to get a chance if you're like, I can't get into these movies. And I know it's hard because there's not a lot of revival house, but maybe home video systems are better now. What do you think? Uh, we well, we I mean, did uh, back when I lived in Chicago, my, my yeah. girlfriend at the time went to Loyola and she ran the film club and hosted monthly screenings. And because I was a her boyfriend and a, and a film nerd, I got to sort of influence. And one thing that I actually got them to show uh, was one of my favorite movies of all time, speaking of George Cukor, Cukor, The Philadelphia Story. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, and that's a movie that I think it helps to know uh, the the production code and stuff like that because if you're able to think about the innuendo, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that happens in that movie that doesn't actually happen. You know, mm-hmm. when, when he's... When Jimmy Stewart is walking in from the woods carrying Catherine Hepburn, it's like they... They did it. Like right. th- th- that's never going to be said or or even referred to. You're supposed to you're supposed to come to that conclusion, and 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 maybe a younger person who isn't used to the movies from that era might think of the movie is ridiculously chaste because mm-hmm. they didn't have sex, but they did. You just didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, and uh, that's another phenomenal movie. But there there are several movies that I've that I've seen in Los Angeles on the big screen, either at the Egyptian or at the yeah. Arclight or something like that. Egyptian's a wonderful... If you live in Los Angeles, the Egyptian is a really wonderful theater to and see And you movies. don't have to be from Egypt to go there. You don't. Okay. okay. That's yeah. why There's I avoided it for I've never been... Time. Yeah, I would never yeah. go there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get like from 35% off if you are, yes. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting because I saw... Like I, the movie I've probably seen more than any other movie is Jaws. Ah. And I saw it at the Arclight a few years ago, and I know this is almost... A, this is almost 
this seems hyperbolic. I felt like I was watching it for the first time because right. that's it's how you're meant to see movies. And I saw Citizen Kane, same deal. It's just like, oh right, anything I've like seeing it on my parents, you know, tw- 19 inch TV when I saw it for the first time. That was nothing. Like, this is how it was meant to be seen, and it was really amazing. So I do think that's actually a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah, and so that's that's been mine. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there was movies on your list that I had n- I have not seen that I want to see now, yeah. all, you know, given the best the shot. Well, uh, in the interest of wrapping up, what, yes. what, are, what are some of your favorite movie lists? What do you, where do you go to for well, guess, it's not, recommendations? Do, I, do you keep one? I mean, I it's I mean I'm in a constantly evolving mm-hmm. thing, and uh-huh. I'm one of those. This is going to sound weird. I feel like movies get better through uh-huh. the years. Mm-hmm. Like I grade on a higher curve a movie made in 2000 than I would a movie made in 1935. Uh-huh. Okay, so we were uh, talking about that actually when Frank Conniff was a guest on the show yeah. about how you don't get the kind of terrible movies they were making fun of on Mystery Science Theater because even the least talented person. The, the the actual construction of a movie is better understood and maybe a little easier. So so even a bad movie is cut together and shot better than right. uh, yeah. movies were fifty years ago. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And and I, I really dislike people who are just like oh they don't make good movies anymore. It's like that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> it's just because you saw that movie when you were thirteen or mm-hmm. fifteen and it hit you on because you were just like learning to think creatively uh-huh. and you're like oh that was my favorite. Of course it was your favorite movie. <laughs> and I'm sure the music from that era was your favorite music. But mm-hmm. try to go outside that a little bit to try to. So it's it's not even a question. And someone like Spielberg who can take the. Que- you know, you know the arrow out of his quiver of a, you know, a Hawks, and then a John Ford, or you know, you just take from all those masters. Mm-hmm. Scorsese does it all the time. It's just, yeah. it's just bad. They're just better. And I'm not saying the average movie is better, but the, I feel like the best movies of today hold up with the best movies of any time. Do hmm. uh, you want to give me another decade? I'll tell you the top money maker. We already did fifties, seventies, seventies. That's an easy one, isn't it? It couldn't be easier. I, I've got to narrow it down to two. I'm inclined to say Star Wars. Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay. That's right. It was yeah. either that or Jaws, and I think it beat out Jaws. Yeah. Jaws At the time, it was a movie called Star Wars. Now it's called in Episode Four. I don't know what they call it. Right, now. Yeah. I don't know what. <laughs> it man, it bothers me so much when I say like the first one. No, not that first one. The fir- the actual. You it's know like what I'm talking it's about. It's who's on first. Right? It's so great. Like, oh, Episode Four was yeah. So yeah, that was. Well, Wayne, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been uh, really good. Have you back sometime. Yeah. I would love it. I hope uh, I didn't dominate the conversation too no, much. No, not at all. But, uh, no, Tyler I, did. <laughs> Why do you always do this to me? Because <laughs> I know that'll fester in your head. Yes, we accomplished. <laughs> um, listeners, you can find us at battleshippretension.com, where there is, along the top of the website, a donate page. Yes, I know we, we haven't mentioned it in a while, but is it just, we, we could use it. Oh, you, so they donate to this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we don't make... Uh, we, so uh, do, can you donate food or clothing? How does it work? <laughs> I guess I guess so. There's a PO box. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's an address. Anything can fit into the PO box. I think yeah. you can, you no, can uh, donate. No, I'll just put a slip in there. You can put anything. Oh, nice. Of any size, send it to us at the PO box. But yeah, you can also donate because via, via a lot of people feel like if they give money, you're just going to use it on drugs. But if they give food, <laughs> well, uh, and I right? think use this is <laughs> uh, still going. Uh, Ten dollars or more gets you. The first 40 episodes, which That's have been right. taken off the iTunes feed and off the website good for riddance. storage reasons, and they're not very good. But uh, for $10 or more, uh, you can be, you, you'll be, any donation of $10 or more gets uh, the first 40 episodes sent to them. And 
uh, in, in his, our, our new sort of mission statement of pushing the blog every week. Um, check it out for movie reviews this coming uh, Friday. Uh, Tarsum Sings Immortals comes out. There will be a review up on Friday and probably some other, uh, lots of other foreign and independent uh, theatrical and uh, home video DVD and Blu-ray reviews up up on the site. So uh, check those out. And you, all the entries for the best directors list, they are all available now so you can read about them. Yeah, you can them read them all or, or just all look at the bloggers. master list that's on there too. So... Um, you can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com, Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. Follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other weekly podcast, the television review show Previously On, at PreviouslyOnShow.com or in iTunes. So, uh, Wayne, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I've come up with this site uh-huh. <laughs> called... <laughs> Wayne Fetterman, uh-huh. then there's a dot, right, and then C-O-M. I don't know how to pronounce that word. I, and think, then, I think you're supposed to say C-O-M. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. So it's waynefetterman.com, and you go there. It's like stupid. It's my site. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Next time, hopefully, we're going to talk about the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, I, there's also, I'm going to make an announcement, there's in the works the Wayne Fetterman International Film Festival that's going to be next year. Nice. I will tell. I can't give you anything else except okay. it's going to happen, and you're going to need judges. I, <laughs> we may not need judges, oh, okay. but uh, you're going to be involved with helping us uh, promote that thing. And that's, absolutely, yeah. yeah this, Is there a? Do you have a Twitter? Yeah, it's just at Fetterman. But okay. I'm the I'm the uh, not the reluctant Twitter. I'm, I'm like the reluctant Twitterer. Like okay. I try to get people not to follow me. Like I go a whole different way. Like I very. You should re- just tweet like racist things. <laughs> so they're like, I don't think I'm going to follow this right. guy anymore. <laughs> this, whole, this whole thing I do. So I, I'm not like trying to up my Twitter following. Okay. It's doing pretty well actually with that strategy. <laughs> so uh, so I do very. I, I've done, yeah, I've done less than 100 the whole time I've had okay. it. Okay, so yeah, follow me and Tyler. Do not follow Wayne. Thank you. Wayne, thanks for being here, uh, and we will... Get you next time. Bye. Bye.